0: Hey, everyone. This is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church, and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like Him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. I'm just so-so. Can I just just pick one Sunday and be just okay? I'm just so-so today. I have had a cough for several days. Uh, it's exhausting for me to try to speak right now uh, and try to save my voice. So pray for me. I have a peppermint in my mouth, so if I do cough, look out. Um, <laughs> you ever tried to cough and keep something in your mouth? At the same time, I have such a hard job up, up here. Um, plus, I, I have sort of PTSD from that. One time at a funeral, I had a really bad throat and I started coughing. I wasn't preaching the funeral, I was sitting next to Terry Chaffin. And so I started coughing. You know how horrible it is? I was trying to just squeeze it out my eyeballs. I didn't want to cough in the funeral, but I was just, I was suffering. And so Terry had cinnamon Tic Tacs, and he shook out some in my hand. you know, just to try to create some moisture. Uh, but, you know, he, he shook them out, and it, I probably had four or five, but it felt like, like 90. Uh, and I tried to just make them disappear, so I threw them all in my mouth at the same time. But then they were cinnamon, And so then they burned my throat, so then it got worse. So then I started coughing, but while I was coughing, I was blowing out Tic Tacs (laughs) like machine gun fire in a funeral. So now I'm afraid, always afraid to put something in my mouth when I'm probably going to cough. So anyway, that's my hard life, you guys. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. I will uh, not be able to speak as loud, so you all listen louder. How is that? Ezekiel chapter 33, really starting today, the Mission 1 series will take us through the end of the year, all the way through the Mission 1 emphasis and then into Christmas as well. The sermon series called Breaking Silence. Breaking Silence. There are over a billion people, they say, that live in the People's Republic of China. Uh, We know that it's a communist country We assume that there is limited freedom of religion, and that is true, but there is some limited freedom of religion. Christians do practice in the People's Republic of China. There is a state-approved church called the Three-Self Church, if you don't know this. Um, They sing hymns just like we sing hymns, and they pray just like we pray, and they preach just like we preach. The only condition for their existence is they cannot tell others They can meet, they can preach, they can pray, they can sing, but they can't evangelize. They can't try to go out into the streets and win converts. And for that reason, there are, by some estimates, 500 million Christians in China who are part of the underground church. They're convinced that you can't be the church of Jesus Christ and not share the gospel with the people on the street. So they refuse to be in the Three-Self Church. They insist that evangelism is part of who the church is. When I think about that, it breaks my heart because I realize what, what a good Three-Self Church we could be. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, just to be honest, we don't do a lot of evangelism. We talk about evangelism a lot, but we don't do a lot of evangelism um, this year, we've broken our baptism goal, which is amazing. We've exceeded it. Uh, we'll have a higher baptism goal next year, but still, um, when we're baptizing 20 people or so, there's 700 of us. Um, obviously, most of us are never telling anybody about Christ. Um, we need to change that, and, and that's the purpose of Mission 1, and that's what we've been talking about uh, for, for all this year. We're going to talk about it until it, until it hits. Um, mission 1, for me begins with this vision of a, of a new future. Uh, there's nothing new about it in the sense of this is just a description of what the church is supposed to be, but it's not exactly the church that we are yet. And so for that reason, I just want to keep pushing you toward this. Uh, here's the future. Here's the church I think we're supposed to be. A body of believers characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love. People of prayer dependent upon the Holy Spirit who guides and empowers the church on mission Uh, as a congregation we share common vision clear direction and we communicate priorities in great commission terms every individual believer has a strong sense of being missionally placed by god talking about you Uh, missionally placed by god wherever they are and together we function as a trained force ushering in the kingdom of christ in the world here you go we do whatever it takes to carry the gospel every day to everybody, everywhere. That's, that's the heart of it right there. We do whatever it takes to carry the gospel every day to everybody, everywhere, accepting the biblical mandate for mission that reaches from the hyperlocal to the uttermost destinations. From oldest to youngest, members of the church family are bold in verbal witness, are we? Bold in verbal witness, fervent in prayer, obedient in going, generous in giving. Strategically, we prioritize evangelism with a bias toward church planting locally in the continental U.S. and around the globe. Nevertheless, we ensure that the local community gets the most of us and the best of us for the sake of Christ. Local community. Um, The local community is radically unchurched. I I know that many of you don't exactly live in Woodburn, but if you think about the 10-mile radius around us, a whole lot of people who don't go to anybody's church, uh, and some of them don't even know that we're here. We've been here 150 years, and our neighbors, some of them, don't even know that we're here. So open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33, and let's talk about why we're here. Ezekiel chapter 33. This is a really uh, alarming passage, uh, to use a bad pun. Um, I, I remember hearing this passage as a kid and just... In the old King James, the language is to have blood on your hands. And I just remember that image of blood on my hands. And and, uh, this passage has haunted me ever since. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1. Once again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it's their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity, They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Their blood will be on his hands, is what the Hebrew says. Now, son of man, I'm making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them from me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you will fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent... They will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. You are saying our sins are heavy upon us. We are wasting away. How can we survive? As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn. Turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? Mm. I think you know the story of Chicken Little in the barnyard that day when the squirrel up in the tree was uh, uh, carrying an armload of acorns, dropped an acorn, and an acorn hit Chicken Little right on top of the head. And so she uh, looked around, couldn't see anything, and then she concluded what? The sky is falling, the sky is falling. So, Chicken Little became quite alarmed, started running through the barnyard, you know, screaming, The sky is falling, the sky is falling. So, as the story goes, and there are different versions of the story. As the story goes, she comes up to Cocky Locky. Cocky Locky says, Chicken Little, what's the problem? Chicken Little says, The sky is falling. Cocky Locky gets all upset, too. So, Cocky Locky and Chicken Little now are running around the yard, you know, screaming, The sky is falling, the sky is falling. They come up on Turkey Lurkey. Turkey Lurkey says, what's the problem? He says, sky's falling, sky's falling, Turkey Lurkey. Yeah, you know, so they all run. And that's the whole story. You know, I think you know the story. It's a children's fable, and like most children's fables, there's a moral to it. It's a lesson. And the lesson is (laughs) don't be chicken little. Don't be a prophet of doom. Don't be thinking that every time something happens, that, that it's the end of the world. Don't be, you know, running around thinking that the sky is falling. The sky has never fell. Don't be Chicken Little, and, and, and for that matter, I think the other moral of the story is don't pay attention to Chicken Little. You know, don't be a prophet of doom, and don't get caught up with the prophets of doom. You know, always wanting to tell you that the world is ending because the world has never ended. We know the sky is not falling, right? But one day it will. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. W- one day it, it, it will. Throughout history, there have been prophets of doom that, telling us that the end is near, and 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 it wasn't. You know, people who you know, cults and. You know, all kinds of crazies who, you know, drink the Kool Aid and, and, and say that the world is ending. They quit their jobs. They, they go wait for the end and the end doesn't come and they look like fools. I mean, history is full of all of those groups, all of those cults, all those preachers who got it wrong telling us the sky was falling. But, but we know that one day the sky will fall. Which brings us to Ezekiel chapter 33. It's, it's really an amazing. Passage. It's a disturbing passage. Um, Ezekiel uses the analogy of a watchman on the wall. Now you have to understand how ancient cities operated and, and, and how they were vulnerable. An ancient city would be built and it would be built fortified. It would have a wall around it to protect the people inside, but also to ensure that enemies couldn't just march right in. They would be stopped at the wall. And so the people would dwell inside the wall in peace. Of course, from inside the wall, you can't see what's outside the wall. And so you appoint watchmen who take a station high up on the wall, and and they scan the horizon in all directions. And and what are they watching for? Danger. They're watching for the enemy, watching for an enemy army that would would march toward them. And and, and because they're in their station on the wall in a position to see, they can see what's coming. They scan the horizon in all directions and they can see when danger comes. And so when they see danger approach, they have one job and only one job. And what is that? Sound the alarm. You sound the alarm. You make sure that everybody knows that the danger's coming. That that's the watchman's job. You, you, you sound the alarm. Now, as Ezekiel tells the story, you know, the, one of two things can happen here after you sound the alarm. And either people listen or they don't. I mean, either they listen or, or they don't. Now, but part of you think, well, what kind of idiot wouldn't listen to the alarm? Okay, you, got an, you have an alarm at your house. Ha- when we first built our house 20 years ago, I thought having a security alarm was going to be an amazing thing. We live way out in the woods. If somebody came to kill me, you, you know, like I like knowing that I could, you know, trigger the alarm and, and help would be on the way. And then I realized that every time a bird flew over, that stupid alarm got triggered. you you know and like police would be driving up my lane i was sitting on my swing one day and police were coming up like they thought i was in trouble i don't even know i I didn't even hear the alarm i I mean you know it was just triggered all the time if if a moth landed on the you know little the motion sensor it would it would trigger police would come firemen would come i mean don't tell the axe murderers out there but i haven't set my alarm now in 10 years (laughs) i I just got tired of false alarms you, you know Sitting in Wendy's restaurant one day and a fire alarm went off. Fire alarm, you know. Restaurant full of people and the fire alarm goes off. What did a restaurant full of people do? Man, I just sat there, you know. I I mean, I like. I looked around. What did I look around? I mean, I looked around. Why? I just want to see what everybody else is going to do. You know, I I don't want to be chicken little. You know, it's on fire. Restaurant's on fire. I mean, I look around. I don't smell smoke. I don't see smoke. Everybody else is just eating. Well, I just kept on eating, you know. Eventually, the manager came and said, "Would y'all get out of here? <laughs> the kitchen's on fire." But you know, I kind of wanted to finish my, you know, fries. It's hard for us to respond to that kind of warning. It's called the normalcy bias. Normalcy bias. In other words, we're biased toward assuming that everything's just going to be normal. That nothing's going to catch on fire because most of the time, Wendy's is not on fire. We just sort of assume that the sky's not going to fall because the sky has never fell. And and so that's the thing. There's this responsibility of the watchman to sound the alarm, but then the people are going to have to decide whether they heed the warning or not, the warning of danger. And, And that's the thing. Some of them will and some of them won't. So God tells Ezekiel, you know, you know in, in that situation, if the watchman does his job, if he sounds the alarm and, and, and the people, that they respond, that they have saved their lives, and the watchman has done his job. But if the watchman, he sounds the alarm, and they don't respond, they stay in their homes, they perish, you know, well, that's on them. The watchman has done his job, that's on them. But if the watchman were to see the danger coming and he fails to sound the alarm, he doesn't tell them what's coming. If the watchman sees it and he knows it, but he doesn't do his job and tell them, they perish, it's on him. At that point, their blood's on his hands. It's, it's on him. And then the, the, the big moment in the passage is when the Lord says, Now, son of man, verse 7, I'm making you the watchman. Church, you understand, we are the watchmen. We are the watchmen. We are the ones who know what's coming. We know because we have the word of God. We know because we understand the gospel. We know, we know that this world is going to end. We know the sky is going to fall. We know this. And so because we know this, we have a a certain kind of responsibility we have to tell people. We have to tell people. So, Pastor Tim, this sermon's got gloomy, awful fast. It's got blood on your hands, you're up there, you know, trying to cough. It's the worst sermon ever. Thought the gospel was supposed to be good news. It is good news. It is good news for those who believe. But for those who don't believe, for those who don't respond, understand it's the worst news possible. I'm de- you understand this, right? I mean, you, you know this, right? The, the, there are lives at stake. There is true danger for those who do not know the Lord. And I'm not sure that you and I ever really let that sink in. I mean, because the world hasn't ended yet, and because people have been saying all your life that Jesus is coming back, I mean, at this point, you kind of feel foolish telling people that he's coming back because it doesn't look like he is, he never has. Sky hadn't fell yet, you know. So we're sort of slow to tell people. We we don't really talk about it much at all. We go to church, and sometimes we'll invite people to church, which makes people think that church is the point instead of Jesus being the point. I mean, we share church, but we don't share Jesus. And then they come to church, and what they find is us, and we ain't Jesus, and we can't save them, and we don't look like much. So they think, is that all there is? And they leave because, understand, you can come to church and not meet Jesus. we got to tell people about Jesus, but because it all comes down to Jesus. Now, now just understand, in, in life, in everything, <clears throat> the ending is what matters. The end is everything. In any story you read, in any book you've read, it's the ending. Okay, that little story, Chicken Little, you remember that's a kid's story, but it's got two different endings it's got two different endings depending on the version they're telling in one version of the story which is the one we tell most often uh, chicken little and henny penny and turkey lurky and you know cocky Locky, and, and you know they, they all end up you know making it to the king they tell the king that the sky is falling the, the king walks them back to the barnyard he investigates he finds the acorn they realize that the sky's not falling that an acorn just hit chicken little in the head and they all lived happily ever after Okay, that's one ending, that's one story, that's the one we told you at bedtime. But there's another version of that story, it's older. And one version of the story, the dark one, Chicken Little, Henny Penny, Turkey Lurkey, Cocky Locky, uh, they're walking around, seeing the skies falling, they come up on Foxy Loxy. And Foxy Loxy says, oh, my goodness, if the sky is falling, we need to tell the king. I tell you what, y'all follow me. I know a shortcut to the king's house. And Foxy Loxy takes them deep into the woods and eats them all. And we didn't tell you that one at bedtime. Like what? They all got to eat by a fox? You know, that's terrible. That's an awful story. It is. But you don't know that till you get to the end. You understand? The end is everything. I mean, the end tells you everything. You ever read a book, you got to the last page, and think, think, if I'd known that's the way, it ended, I never would have read that book, I hate that book. You loved it till you got to the end, and you realize, man, that's a terrible, that's a terrible story because everything depends upon how it ends. You understand, your life, the, the life you're living, the world and everything in it, it all depends on how it ends. How's it all gonna turn out? That's what matters. And that's what matters to your neighbors. That's what matters to your family. That's what matters to all of us. It it, it matters how everything's gonna end. How's your life gonna end? Where will you spend eternity? That's what's gonna matter. And understand, uh, spoiler alert, everything ends at the feet of Jesus. This is what we know, this is the gospel. Everything ends at the feet of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every every knee shall bow. Everyone, you know, above the earth and under the earth and in the earth, you know, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything ends at the feet of Jesus. You need to know that. And then everybody else needs to know that because if everything ends at the feet of Jesus, that that means knowing Jesus is the most important thing in this life, the most important thing in this world. Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. What this means, of course, is everybody you know, everybody in this room, you're either saved or lost. There's no neutral option. There's no third category like good person, churchgoer. No, either saved or lost. And when you die, you'll go to one of two places, either heaven or hell. There, there's no third option. It's not like you know, this doesn't affect you. I'm telling you about a future moment in your life. You're gonna die, but you're gonna open your eyes on the other side of this life in eternity, and you're gonna spend forever in one of two places. And I'm telling you where you end up in eternity, that, that, that is the only thing that matters, It's the only thing that matters. Eternity is long, but this life is short. What are you going to live, 80, 90 years? Sounds like a long time, but that's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket of eternity. Where you spend eternity is the only thing that matters. Where your neighbors will spend eternity, your children, your grandchildren. It does not matter if they get on the right travel ball team. It really, really matters if they get into heaven, but you don't always seem concerned about that. Everything ends, everything ends at the feet of Jesus. We know this, and we know that he's coming again, and we know that everyone is going to stand before him. We know this, and if we know this, we have to tell people. How much do you have to hate somebody to let them live their whole life right there in proximity to you, and you don't tell them about Jesus? How much do you have to, what is dead in your heart? That you would let people live right beside you, work right beside you. You go to school with kids, and they don't know Jesus, and you don't care. What is dead in your heart that you never stop to consider where she will spend eternity? I mean, your boyfriend, like you share everything with your boyfriend. I mean, like everything you share with your boyfriend, but y'all can't talk about religion because you always end up in a fight. What is dead in your heart? It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And that's why God says to Ezekiel, I'm making you the watchman. Because you see these things, because you know these things, you've got to tell these things. You have to tell people. They need to know. Now, understand, more than likely, there are individuals for whom your witness will determine whether they ever come to know Christ the Savior. Uh, I'm talking to every single one of you. More than likely, that there's somebody, and I'd say for all of us, it's more than one person. Like, you're the one. You're the watchman on the wall for that person. You're the one. You're the one. And whether or not they ever come to Jesus, it's got to do with whether or not you tell them. You're the one. So Pastor Tim, that's a whole, that's, that's a whole lot of pressure. Is it? Apparently not, because you haven't told them. How long have you worked at that plant? How long have you worked where you work? And your coworkers don't even know anything about the Jesus that you say that you serve. Because you've never, ever said his name, you know, unless it was in vain. I'm not, I'm not trying to come down hard on you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. There are people whose eternal destiny depends upon your personal witness. Who who are those people? I mean, you really have to come to terms with that question. Whose eternal destiny depends upon your personal witness? Who who, who are the the lives that intersect with yours? Say, Pastor Tim, I thought that's why we paid you. I I thought you were supposed to preach the gospel. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel with all my heart. But I don't work where you work. I'm not going to spend Thanksgiving with the family you're going to spend Thanksgiving with. I, I don't walk the path you walk. I walk the path that I walk, and I try to share Jesus with everybody in my path. You have to do the same thing. You have to do the same thing. This church has a 10-mile radius around it, and, and it's. I guess in some ways it's sort of a random figure, but I just sort of feel like the... The people are within a 10-mile radius of our church, they deserve to hear the gospel from us. They deserve that. I mean, are we not the watchman on the wall for this community? I, mean, I don't want anybody to live in Woodburn, and people come and go all the time. It's not the town it used to be. A whole lot of rental property, a lot of people moving in and out, but I don't want anybody to live and the shadow of our steeple for any amount of time and say that nobody from this church ever showed up on their porch to tell them about Jesus. It means we gotta go. You say, Tim, I gone. They don't listen. They don't wanna hear it. You talking about my family Thanksgiving? I will happily trade places with you at Thanksgiving. You don't know my family. You know? they go going to hell and they're excited about it you know, they're planning on, they're trying to take people with them, you know, they, they're all about hell, they're raising it, they're celebrating it, they're going there, I got Thanksgiving with them, Pastor Tim, you can come, I, I know, see, that, 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 that's the thing, you're not responsible for the choice they make about Jesus, you can't say yes for them, you can't, you can't save them. You can't make them love Jesus. You can't can't make them trust Jesus. You can't. You you can't. But understand, you are responsible for making sure they're presented with a choice. I mean, they they get to choose. And and it's their right to choose. And I'm just saying, if you don't tell them, you're making a choice for them. Do you understand that? That's why the Scripture says their blood would be on your hands, because you made the choice. Because if they live their whole life and don't hear about Jesus and then die not knowing Jesus, understand that's on you. That's on you. Uh, I want you to understand every person in your life deserves to hear the truth about Jesus from your mouth. They deserve that. They deserve that. They may listen, they may not listen, that's their choice. That's their choice, and that's the amazing thing about the way God has crowned human beings with this amazing ability to choose. No other creature in all creation has this. We have this dignity of freedom, this burden of freedom, this devastating responsibility of choosing because the choice we make matters. But I'm telling you, everybody deserves the right to make that choice for themselves. If you don't tell them, then you are choosing that they won't hear. If you don't tell them, then you're making the choice that they'll never know Jesus. And that's not your right. They deserve it. They deserve to make that choice. And they deserve to hear the gospel from your mouth. Your grandchildren deserve to hear the gospel from you. Your children deserve your parents, your neighbors. They deserve to hear the gospel from your mouth. There are a billion people in China. There's a state-approved church, you know. And on any Sunday, just like this Sunday, they're in church just like we are. Lots and lots of Chinese Christians go to the Three-Self Church and they sing the same hymns we sing, a lot of them. They read the same Bible. Preachers preach. Church, just like we have church. The only thing is, when they leave, they can't talk about Jesus anywhere with anybody. That's the agreement with the state. That's the agreement with the government. You can worship all you want. You can go to church all you want. Just don't talk about it when you leave church. It's devastating to think that we could probably make a pretty good three self church. Because that's what we are. If we come to church and we worship and we sing and we preach and we pray and then we leave, never talk about Jesus with anybody. So, f- first off, do you know him? Like, do you know Jesus? I and mean, before anything else, I, I mean, Have you made that choice? Because that choice matters. And and I'm telling you, you're going to stand before Jesus one day. And I know you never have before. And it's really hard to believe that because nothing in the world looks like it's heading in that direction. But I'm telling you, this is where it all leads. You're going to be at the feet of Jesus one day. And the choice that you have made about him in this life is going to be the choice that, that, that falls upon you for all eternity. You need to know him. You need to trust him. You need to love him in this life. So you can be with them in the life to come. That choice matters. You've heard me preach now. The choice is yours. I can't make the choice for you, but I can make sure you hear the message. You need to know Jesus. But then if you know Jesus, understand. The gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. You, you have to pass it along. The gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. So go find them. Go tell them. You must tell them. Pray with me.